Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy bee treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Shannon Watts started Moms Demand Action as a Facebook page at her kitchen table. Five years later, it is the driving force in the gun violence prevention movement. We're talking with Shannon about why women are leading this effort and why she's never fatigued. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to another episode. Y'all, we are so excited to be joined today by the founder of Moms Demand Action. We've spoken a lot about this organization and our personal involvement in it. And we reached out to Shannon and she was happy to come on the show. We're going to talk about why she founded Moms, why she thought moms in particular were the answer. We're going to go through a lot of the most common arguments we hear from pro-Second Amendment people about why good common sense gun laws aren't needed. And she's going to give these amazing responses. I'm so excited to share those with you. So, Here's our interview with Shannon. Well, we are so excited to be here with Shannon Watts, the founder of Moms Demand Action. And before we get started, Shannon, I'm going to try to do this and not get too emotional, but I just want to thank you 
as a victim of gun violence, the last time, and particularly in Parkland, and I talked about this a lot on the episode we did after Parkland, I have never felt so empowered and hopeful in the face of a mass shooting as I did in Parkland. And I know it's because of my involvement with Moms Demand Action. I just didn't oh, feel sort you. of lost. I didn't feel, like I said, just hopeless. I felt like, okay, no, I'm in this group. I know our goal. I know our focus. I know where we're going. And it was night and day to other experiences I've had. And do you feel hopeful in the wake? Do you feel optimistic? Absolutely, because there's just something hopeful about knowing you're in this group and you have a vision and you have a plan. It's such a different experience. I cannot thank you enough. First of all, I have to thank all of the type A women in the country because <laughs> you know, I would love to take credit for this. But as I've said before, yeah. there are many times I've thought about turning back. And what I realized was when you're working with all these type A women, there is no going back. There's only going forward. <laughs> so I have to say that I feel like this is a bit different this time. Now, people think that that means we're going to suddenly have amazing changes at the congressional level, right? This cathartic moment that we're all waiting for in Congress, it's going to take a while. Mm -hmm. This is a Congress beholden to the gun lobby. That doesn't mean we can't make amazing changes at the state level and in corporate boardrooms, which we're seeing all of that in just three weeks. Absolutely. And I think that's what's so important and the nuance of this situation, which is something we talk a lot about. I had felt like so many Americans, that terrible, awful narrative of, well, nothing changed after Sandy Hook. Well, no, nothing changed instantly, but something did change. Something did shift. And while this conversation is different, I think so much of it is because this groundwork and this foundation has been laid by Moms Demand Action. So take us back to that moment and where we all started and how we got to this moment to take advantage of the change in the conversation. I can remember I lived in Indiana at the time and I was folding laundry, watching TV in my bedroom. And I started to see the news come on that there had been a school shooting in Newtown, Connecticut. And it looked bad. I can remember saying sort of a prayer out loud, please let this not be as bad as it looks. And then as the information started coming in, we realized as a country that this was a million times worse than we could have ever imagined. We've been through a lot in this country in terms of of violence, but to have 20 babies and six educators slaughtered in the sanctity of an elementary school was just horrific. And so I was really devastated that day, but I woke up angry the next day, just feeling like, you know, I have two choices. I can try to figure out how to move my family of seven to another country, or I can stay here and fight. I didn't really know what that looked like, right? (laughs) I mean, I had been a communications executive and then a stay-at-home mom and I just knew I had to do something. So I went online. I looked for something like Mothers Against Drunk Driving. I didn't find anything. And it really spoke to me as a mom. That's how I wanted to use my voice. So I just started a Facebook page. And what was amazing, it was, I can remember this guy I didn't know in Virginia connected me to a woman I didn't know in Brooklyn within minutes. And it's been like that every step of the way. Just the power of social media and women who are connecting and want to get involved. And within just a few weeks, we were a full-fledged nonprofit organization. If you were talking to someone who doesn't know anything about Moms Demand America, how would you describe why you started and what you stand for today? You know, we are a very moderate voice for gun safety because we believe the best way to get this done is to work across the aisle. And especially given that we have so many Republican state legislatures and Republican Congress, we have to 
make sure that our solutions are data proven and they reflect the views of America. And that's why you see us doing things that we know will save the most amount of lives and that are agreed upon by most of America, things like closing the background check loophole, right? I think most Americans, we know polling shows most Americans, believe that every single gun sale should involve a background check. We believe that you should disarm domestic abusers. What people don't realize is that in so many states, if you are a stalker or a domestic abuser that is a dating partner, you're not a prohibited purchaser of guns. That is not included in the federal definition. And most women are actually shot now by dating partners. So we have to go into the states and broaden that definition. We believe that in red flag laws, so for example, in three states we've passed since Sandy Hook, five total, you can, if you're a family member, a police officer, petition a judge for a restraining order to remove the guns of someone who seems to be a danger to themselves or others. Had that law been in place in Florida, that teenagers' guns may have been removed and they may have determined that he was going to commit a mass school shooting. So there's so many things that we can try in this country. We haven't even tried trying, as my friend Jason Kander likes to say. And when you look at things like automobile safety, you know, we've tried everything from new technology to speed limits to seatbelts to airbags. And with guns, we've done none of it. And I think that your strategy speaks to the vision of the group. Just because the conversation often sort of flares up around mass shootings. It's really not just about mass shootings. Gun violence in America, and I tell people this, I'm like, when I go to Moms Demand Action meetings and I talk to members, like we're talking about suicides, we're talking about domestic violence. Suicide is something I care deeply about with regards to gun safety and common sense with regards to guns. And I think that the way you articulate the vision and the goals speaks to that. It's about way more than that. It's about saving the most lives possible. Right. You know, shame on me for not knowing before Sandy Hook that 96 Americans are shot and killed every single day in this country. Two thirds of those are gun suicides. Mm. The rest are homicides and unintentional shootings. And the other thing people don't realize is that two million children live in homes with unsecured guns in this country. So we are the only developed nation where children shoot other people because they have easy access to loaded guns. And so that's another thing that we work on is to educate people about responsible gun storage. Will you talk about that program? We talked about it at our meeting because I think that's so great, the program that... Be smart. Be smart. And I think it's so smart because it talks about the parents, whereas the NRA's language is always about, like, the kids. And I just say, that means your kid needs to do what you tell them to 100% of the time. Like, I don't know if your kid does what you tell them to 100% of the time, but mine certainly do not. Right. That's like saying, okay, don't touch the stove and then leaving the flame on high. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Children should not be in charge of their own safety. It's really up to adults to make sure children are not around loaded guns Mm -hmm. that they can access and shoot themselves or someone else or even take to school and commit a mass shooting. Mm -hmm. There's just so many hazards with children around guns. And so we talk to gun owners and non-gun owners alike. We work with the PTA to just teach people that you, first of all, have to store your guns locked unloaded, separate from ammunition, but also that you need to ask these questions. These are sort of tough questions Mm -hmm. in America where they feel tough. But when you send your kids over to someone's house, even if it's your own family, you don't know how they store their guns. You may not even know if they're gun owners. I've spoken with so many volunteers who said, I did not realize until I joined Moms to Men Action that when I send my kids over to my parents' house, they're sleeping in a room with a loaded gun in a (gasps) shoebox under the bed. Mm. Mm. And it's all about just asking the question. Well, I 
crazy story, won a gun in a raffle. It was a police chief's raffle, so it's a mess. As we do in America, Exactly. And I have it here with no ammunition, but I still tell people because I want them to know that that's like a thing they should say. Like I kind of use it as I'm like, we have a gun. It's secure. There's no ammunition in the house. Just to get it out there because I think that's a thing people need to be more comfortable talking about and making sure that they're aware of. So I think that's a really, really, really important program. It's definitely saving lives, and it's a great way to get all people at the table to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've met so many moms who have lost their children because of this issue, either because, you know, they were shot by, by someone else's child or they committed suicide. And it really is a preventable mm-hmm. occurrence. So why moms? Why were you inspired by Mothers Against Drunk Driving initially? And why do you see moms as such a powerful catalyst toward change right now? I grew up in the 80s when Mothers Against Drunk Driving really became a force. So many of my peers were being killed in drunk driving accidents. And these mothers stepped up and have changed the face of our laws around this issue. I mean, I think they decreased drunk driving by almost 50% within a decade. That's amazing. And imagine doing that without social media, too. That's what yeah, I always think about. Yeah, like, so true. Yeah. That is so Do true. Do they, like, call each other on the phone all day and, <laughs> you know, send letters? I, I don't so know how true. they did it. That was sort of the model because it's not just mothers anymore, right? It gave women a voice on this issue and they got to lead, but men joined them. And we're seeing that more and more with Moms Demand Action. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just went to a meeting in Boulder the other day. One of our listeners was there. She was so excited. She was was. was like, guess who? Who guess who was at my meeting? (laughs) It was a surprise appearance, but I certainly did not expect 200 people to be there. And about 25% of them, I would say, were men wearing mom's shirts. So and awesome. so many nonprofit organizations in this country are led by men or they're like DC think tanks run by men. And I just love that women are being able to lead on this issue. And look, I think women are the secret sauce to organizing anyway. Mm. That totally clicked for me. When I heard you on Jason Kander's podcast, I'd been giving money. And then when you said it's like Mothers Against Drunk Driving, my brain went click. I get it. Like, it's such a good shortcut. And we've had listeners talk about, like, when you said that, Sarah, when you said it's Mothers Against Drunk Driving, everybody's like, oh, I get that. Now, I do have a question for you. There's a history of this. Like, I went to the Million Mom March after my school shooting in the 90s. There's a little history of linking this issue to the identities of mothers. Do you know what happened to that organization? Have you looked into any of their yeah, history? So, you know, I was uh, pregnant with my third child when Columbine happened. And so I just didn't get involved. I wish I had. But... When I started Moms Demand Action, I was told there was this whole march, yeah. right? It was almost a million women who came to D.C. And that's sort of the generation above me. And I think that many of them have started chapters and they work with Brady Organization. What's interesting is that my generation, which I'm in my 40s and a lot of our volunteers are sort of anywhere from 30 to, I'd say, 60, I think they're really technologically savvy, right? They're mm-hmm. really interested in getting on Twitter and using Facebook. Yeah, that's and what I think is the difference. Yeah. And it's made a huge change because we can directly communicate publicly with our members of Congress and with companies. I mean, look, in the last week, I've used the hashtag no gun until 21. And I've gotten two companies, L.L. Bean and Orvis, to say they won't sell rifles to anyone under the age of 21 anymore. That's amazing. So social media definitely works. And I think that's what's so great about Moms mm-hmm. to Be in Action. But then you look at these Parkland students that are coming up. Yeah. And we also started Students Demand Action the day after Parkland. And this is a whole new level of mm-hmm. knowing how to use social media and be really savvy. And so it's just going to get more and more 
successful. Well, and let's just be honest. It got worse. Like the gun violence itself just got worse. I think that's part of it, too. I think that is part of why we're seeing also so much movement after Parkland is because there have been so many mass shootings since Donald Trump was elected, including the worst in our nation's history in Las Vegas. And I think the Kentucky school shooting had just happened a few weeks before Parkland and Sutherland Springs. And there was a domestic mass shooting in Plano, Texas. So I think it was like drips on a rock. And Mm -hmm. people just, by the time Parkland happened, they were ready for some some action. So we talked about the identity of motherhood is attached to this movement. Sarah and I have been having a lot of conversations about the NRA's success and how the NRA is such a powerful force, not even because of their ability to lobby, but because they have so influenced the social conversation about what it means to be seeking reasonable gun laws. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering how you see the identity around people who are interested in common sense, moderate gun legislation shaping. A lot of times people say this is, they juxtapose this as gun owners or non-gun owners or Republicans versus Democrats. But if you look at the polling, this is actually America, the vast majority of America versus the gun lobby and lawmakers who are beholden to them. I don't really need to spend my time trying to convince mm. a gun extremist that we need a background check on every gun sale. If I had to do that, it would it would take a lot of time. Instead, we are just trying to get everyday Americans off the sidelines to use their voices and their votes on this issue, to be educated about where their candidates and lawmakers stand on this issue, and to vote accordingly, to make this one of their highest priorities when they go into the voting booth. If we can do that, and look, we did it in the elections in November, where we elected a new governor in New Jersey and in Virginia, who both strongly support common sense gun laws, and the Virginia is the NRA's backyard. If we can keep replicating that, it will not be long until we see a complete change on this issue, just like right. we did on American Well, equality. and I think that's the thing. Like they, they had the identity fuel on their side for so long, but I think partly because you have a very powerful moment with regards to sort of women's empowerment generally. You've linked this idea to mothers and to women, although, of course, there are lots more people involved. Like, I think that you feel this sort of emotional identity kind of feel on the side of common sense gun legislation for the first time in a long time, at least from my perspective. I agree. I mean, I think parents are starting to think, mm-hmm. look, this this could be my kid. And that definitely will change the dynamic. I think the fact that lawmakers still are not getting the point that they can't just offer mm-hmm. thoughts and prayers without action. You know, we're still seeing that in the wake of this shooting. And I think that they realize they have to get educated. Like you were saying before, we spent five mm-hmm. years building the machinery so that people could plug in when there's a crisis like this. And since Parkland, we have added over 125,000 I was wondering what your volunteers. number, I, had, I knew it had to be crazy. That's yes. amazing. And that's just volunteers. We have over a million Mm. new members who've signed up for our emailing list. And we have 10,000 new members of Students Demand Action. So, you know, we are are growing by leaps and bounds. And then you've, you've seen the enthusiasm, hopefully, across the country at these meetings where, you know, just, I think it was yesterday in Tennessee, we would typically have about 80 people show up for our state advocacy day. Yesterday, it was over 500. That's amazing. Oh, that makes me so happy.
summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy bee treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is going by so quickly, and I had a little bit of a moment of panic about it this week. I thought to myself, I'm losing track of time. It's going so fast. It's going to be December before I know it. My kids are growing up, and I just kind of was spinning out. And I stopped, and I closed my eyes, and I pictured my last therapist, who I haven't seen since the end of 2020. But I remember the way he talked me through these issues, and I sort of channeled his energy I put my feet on the ground and thought, this is just how time feels now. And there's nothing wrong with that or right about it. It just is. But those skills that I learned in therapy are so important to helping me take a second to celebrate what's going right and decide what I want to adjust for the rest of the year. If you're thinking of starting therapy, which I cannot recommend enough, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Pantsuit. The second most stressful thing after planning a trip is packing for it. This is true. This is a true story. I have just told you the clothes I have don't fit. They don't go together the way I want them to or I'm missing some essential piece. And then I discovered Quince. It's my go-to for high-quality vacation essentials. Like this premium European linen dress that's going to get us all through the heat wherever we're traveling. Blouses and shorts from $30. Washable silk tops. Premium luggage options and so much more. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than their similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I got big plans for my Quince chiffon pleated skirt in Japan. They like a loose, flowy look over there to battle the heat. I will be adopting that strategy with that skirt. Pack your bags with high quality essentials from Quince. Go to quince.com slash pantsuit for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash pantsuit to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash pantsuit. the phrase gun extremist is a really smart one because often in analysis of this issue, I think we introduce lots of complexity and it's not that it's uncomplicated. I think the federalism angle of this issue is particularly complicated, but I also have the sense that we're muddying the waters Mm -hmm. to make them seem deep when 
really what we should be talking about here is, do we want to try trying? Do we want to do something about this? And in that spirit, I wondered, Shannon, if we could take you through just the most rote responses to uh, gun safety and get your reaction to them. Absolutely. So guns don't kill people, people do. Right, which is why we want background checks on people. Oh, it's so good. Sorry. (laughs) We're blowing the threat of mass shootings out of proportion. Well, we have more mass shootings than any developed nation in this this whole world, right? So if the idea that more guns and fewer gun laws kept us safer, we wouldn't have these mass shootings. It's very clear that what separates us from other developed countries is our easy access to guns. And the other thing, you know, people talk about mass shootings and so-called gun-free zones. It's really important people understand that the majority of mass shootings take place in private residences, not gun-free zones, and that they are started by Mm. domestic abuse. So mental health is the issue, not gun legislation. Every nation struggles with mental health issues. We have the same rates of mental illness. We watch the same movies. We play the same video games. What we have that others don't have is easy access to guns, which is why we have a 25 times well, higher gun Well, and the mental ill are rate. more likely to be victims of gun violence. That's what bothers me about that talking point. Exactly. It's like further That's victimizing exactly that community. Right. And if they really were concerned about that, the first thing Donald Trump did during his administration was to roll back a mm-hmm. law that Social Security recipients who were too mentally ill to manage their benefits couldn't buy guns. And that was the first thing he did as president was to roll that back. We should enforce existing laws instead of passing new ones. The reality is that the the important laws are not on the books. And that is, for example, closing the private sale loophole that allows a gun sale without a background check. So, yes, sure, let's let's enforce the laws that are out there. But that isn't our problem as a country. I mean, the problem is that we have easy access to guns and we don't regulate them. And, And you can, again, the comparison between America and other nations, even nations with a lot of guns, like Israel. You know, there are a lot of guns in Israel, but they require training and they have very stringent laws around how they're stored and used. And we just don't have that. You need a good guy with a gun to stop a bad guy with a gun. You know, data shows that that simply isn't true. Police are able to accurately hit their moving targets with a gun about 18% of the time. And these are incredibly well-trained law enforcement officials. To imagine that a civilian or an educator is going to somehow kill someone accurately is sort of like believing, you know, in, in, that we're all Rambo. <laughs> it just, the data does not bear it out. And, and it's, the, the other thing that makes me crazy about that is that the NRA goes state by state and tries to strip all training requirements for gun owners out of state law. So they want these people to be, you know, walking around with guns and, and yet not have any training. It's absurd. And then the last thing is just the slippery slope argument that if we if we start down the path of regulating the Second Amendment, that we'll eventually lose that right. You know, I've been doing this for five years. I've never met anyone, especially a lawmaker, who has any intention of rolling back the Second Amendment or confiscating guns or even creating a registry. It's an urban myth created by the NRA and gun extremists to make you afraid that any law, no matter how small or incremental, will lead to wholesale confiscation of your guns. And it's their argument all the time. And here's what really frustrates me, because I like to think about what's the emotion motivating a lot of these arguments. And it does seem like there's so much of the narrative behind gun enthusiasts, gun extremists, or sometimes just 
regular people who own guns is this idea that that the NRA has been able to perpetuate that there's such skepticism around the government that you need yourself to defend against the government, that the government's going to come after you in this sort of slippery slope argument. And I told Beth, what wears me out about that is there's like no skepticism of the role that the gun industry plays in here. There's no skepticism for the role of money in this entire debate mm-hmm. in the way the NRA functions. Like, why are you reserving all your skepticism and cynicism for the government and none for this huge industry? Can you talk about the role of the gun industry within the NRA? Like, I didn't know until you spoke about it that they're that the way they keep making money is now they're work, they're pushing for this permitless carry that they rolled in the yep. licensing and now they're trying to roll. And one of my friends who's a gun owner, who and he was like, oh, they'll never get away with it. I'm like, they've already done it in 13 states. Yes. So I think that's exactly. huge. I think that's huge. I don't think people yeah, yeah. understand so, that. Gun manufacturers give, we think, the majority of the NRA's $350 million annual budget to the NRA. And they talk all the time about their membership. The reality is the NRA could have no members and still be financially viable. Mm. This is all about protecting the profits of gun manufacturers. So in the late 90s, if you go to YouTube, you can see Wayne LaPierre saying things like he opposed guns in schools and he supported a, a background check on every gun sale. And all of that radically changed over 20 years because they started selling more guns to fewer people. And that is a demographic that is, you know, 50 or 60 year old white man, basically. Uh, th- that's their main demographic. And that's a demographic that's aging out. So they realized that they had to reverse their position on those things because the best way to inculcate an entire generation of gun buyers is to force guns onto college campuses, into K through 12 schools, to sell guns to women by making them afraid that they'll be sexually assaulted, um, just basically preying on fears. And that's what they've been doing for the last 20 to 30 years and in order to sell, sell more guns. And what's interesting is that since Donald Trump was elected, gun sales are down about 10% or $100 million, which is very significant. And that's why they, we see them trying to um, continue to push for laws, like you mentioned, permitless carry at the state level, but also to at the federal level to deregulate silencers, which are an accessory that would result in a lot of money for them. I wish people would stop just for a minute and think what's happened in the past when we had industries sort of competing for a finite amount of space, like when the food industry was competing for a finite of calories we're supposed to take in in a day. And when the cigarette companies were competing for a finite amount of people who could smoke, you know, like when what happens when when they run up against these boundaries? Do do good things happen when people run up when these industries run up against the boundaries of like what they can sell or who they can sell to like that? I mean... Well, and, you're, and to your point, the, the really interesting thing about the tobacco industry comparison is that in, in the 90s, Congress passed a law that gave the gun lobby, the gun manufacturers, complete immunity to lawsuits like what took down the tobacco industry because they learned from the tobacco industry. So it's really one of the only uh, products that you can't sue for mis labeling or for misrepresenting through advertising, which is just fascinating. (laughs) I wonder if the strategy from the NRA, especially right now, is going to ultimately backfire. Mm -hmm. We talk about because I I think the extremism and especially the propaganda being created by the NRA right now might move everyone to the left. On, on gun issues. I see people who 
are very adamant Second Amendment supporters moving left all the time on this issue. And I don't think it's just in response to mass shooting after mass shooting. I think it's partially in response to what seems to be increasingly fanatical rhetoric. I, If I were advising the NRA right now, I would be begging everyone to come to the table on some reasonable legislation for the sake of our own organization. Yeah, it's kind of terrifying to me. I hope you're right. I hope that's what's happening as opposed to gun owners are being taken over to the dark place of a culture war. Um, But I think what we're seeing the NRA put out through channels like NRA TV, you know, if if this was being put out by a terrorist organization in another country, Mm -hmm. we would be very alarmed. And yet, because it's, you know, our fellow Americans, we're somehow giving them a pass. I mean, their rhetoric is incredibly dangerous and they are working to incite violence. I, I am, I was fascinated after Sandy Hook that they came out and doubled down. I really did think they would say, okay, you know, this, this was such a horrific tragedy and the nation is reeling and how can we work together to fix it? And instead, I mean, I don't know if you remember the, the press conference that Wayne LaPierre held about I don't know, I want to say three or four weeks after the shooting. I mean, it was like the rantings of a madman. Mm-hmm. And look, they they helped elect Donald Trump. Yeah. So you have to give them some credit. But I think the question is, will America reject this incendiary rhetoric and, and what is very clearly a marketing ploy? I'm very hopeful. And I think we are seeing that. But in the meantime, I just think they're doing such harm to the country. Well, and let me, I read recently a really great, it was in one of Politico's daily emails and they, they spend, I don't know if you get these from Anna Palmer, but they, they do a lot of like off the record talking with congressmen. And after Parkland, they had this piece where they were like, look, these are what don't like, don't get mad at us. This is just what they're saying off the record. And so many Republican congressmen were saying that the idea that it's just about the tit for tat for political donations is not really what it's about. It's about the NRA sends these voting guides and they can mobilize voters and they're all terrified of being primaried. It's not about a challenger. It's about being primaried in these districts. Yep. So what is the mom's answer to that? Like what what is the strategy surrounding those kind of situations? Yeah. And I think that's true. I do think an A rating from the NRA, it really benefits mm-hmm. some candidates and lawmakers depending on where they live. Um you know, we are working, as I mentioned, to register voters, particularly teens. We're working with Tom Steyer, who has invested a million dollars into getting this done before November, Awesome. specifically around gun issues. Um, and we are also going to educate our volunteers and all of America. You know, we just ran a New York Times ad, two pages of every lawmaker who's taken money from the NRA and their phone number oh, um, to call them. So it's sort of an educational guide. And we're going to keep doing that because we have boots on the ground and we can really support candidates or oppose candidates state by state, district by district. Um, and so that is, that is our goal going into the midterms. And we feel really good, you know, given what happened in November and given all this momentum right now in the country that we can make real changes and send a strong message. So you think even in those districts where they're worried about being primary, there are, there are, um, you know, everyday Americans who have moderate beliefs on, gun sense and they just need to be educated because I honestly I think you're right I think even in those primary districts the NRA is just you know they mobilize those people and those people are loud so the people who disagree don't feel like they can say anything well but the, the goal is also even if that person does win the primary you know it's it's up to what happens in the election and mm-hmm. I think what happened in Virginia is a great example of that Ed Gillespie who you know was sort of a favorite to win in Virginia 
he tacked right and polling showed after the election that his A rating from the NRA hurt him significantly. Okay, that's awesome. So Kelly Ayotte was one of the only senators on the eastern seaboard to vote against background checks in April after the Sandy Hook school shooting. And we told her that we were going to make an example of her, that we were going to show America that when you vote the wrong way on this issue and and really kind of break with your colleagues, um, that we were going to hold you accountable. And so we spent a lot of money on that election. And we also showed up at every single town hall. In fact, it got to the point where when we showed up at at Senator Ayotte's town halls, and we had a mom shirt on, we were barred from entering. Oh, my God. Did you start putting on fleeces and then, like, sitting down and be like, whoops, unzip, take off? (laughs) You know, she lost, and she lost very narrowly. And I think, in part, it's because we worked so hard to unseat her. And And it's not a liberal state. Yeah, it's a liberal state. And the other thing that's interesting is the only senator who is still in office that voted against that background check bill, Manchin-Toomey bill, is Senator Heidi Heitkamp in North Dakota. Really? And she's another person I won't give any money to. <laughs> so let's talk about the strategy of elections. I know that you serve on the board of Emerge America. I'm an Emerge graduate. Tell us why you think it's important to elect women. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra-concentrated, liquidless laundry detergent. It's the best of all worlds. Earth Breeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and your skin, so it's good for sensitive skin. It reduces plastic waste. All of these things are true and amazing, but let's get to the heart of it. Y'all know I have a laundry system. You know it revolves around training children as young as possible to do their own laundry. Earth Breeze sheets feels like they were invented for this. Because littles maybe sometimes struggle with those big, heavy jugs. Or maybe you worry about the pods, but here we go. Here we go, y'all. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets. It's like the perfect solution. A child as young as two can handle these sheets. And even with toddlers, like you can get them involved. And this is a way to get them helping with laundry even before they could do it themselves. Ugh, gotta love it so much. Right now, our listeners can receive 40% off Earth Breeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. That's earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. We do quite a bit of hosting here at the Silvers household, and I think there is nothing that completes a table for dinner. Like a beautiful loaf of bread and wild grain has made that so simple because they send gorgeous loaves of sourdough bread. Lots of spins on the ingredients, but always just this fantastic, high quality, easy to bake in 25 minutes or less from frozen bread that turns out perfectly every single time. I also have to tell you about the free croissants for life that come with your wild grain orders. And those croissants make the morning, your brunch, maybe your late night snack flaky and like you're sitting in a French cafe and they're just perfect every single time. That's what I love about Wild Grain. It's easy, it's consistent, it's fully customizable. It is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. For a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. You heard me, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit, or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. 
Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Yeah, you know, I just think that until there are, there's at least equal representation of women in office, um, we're going to have a really hard time shaping the policies that impact our families and communities. Women only hold 17% of the 500,000 elected positions in this country. And that means we are not making the policies that impact our families and our communities. So we have to pull the levers we have available to us right now, which is our voting power. We're the majority of the voting public. Our spending power, we make the majority of the spending decisions for our families. But I want us to be not just shaping policy, but making it. Mm -hmm. And the only way we can do that is to get elected to office, any office. I don't mean, you know, women have to like immediately decide they're going to run for Congress, but the average age of women to run for office in this country is 47. We really need women to decide right out of college that this is going to be their career. Well, I have to tell you of this amazing moment. We started a Western Kentucky chapter of Moms Demand Action after our community was hit twice by school violence. Right. And in our meeting were two Emerge graduates currently on the ballot for our state Senate seat and our state House seat. And I thought, what an amazing overlap. And I thought, you know, this is the difference between like mothers against drunk driving. Something tells me in a lot of their beginning meetings, they didn't have women on the ballot. And I think like, like you said, like in the 80s. Yeah, sure. This is the difference. It's gonna be amazing. I agree. We had 13 volunteers and gun violence survivors from our organization run in November, 9-1. That's awesome. Um, We have many in races coming up in in November from Iowa to Georgia to Montana for state house seats. Uh, Lucy McBath, uh, one of our national spokeswomen, just announced she's running for Congress in Georgia. So, and, And then we did a poll that showed hundreds of our volunteers and survivors plan to run in the future. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, sort of Moms 2.0. I love that. I love Moms 2.0. <laughs> Can you speak, Shannon, about one of the fears that women have when they seek office? And that is just navigating the social media sort of demonization as soon as you start to use your voice in the world. And I know that you are very familiar yeah. with that and would love to hear how you weather it and what advice you would have for women who who do fear that. Yeah, it. It is tough. You know, I, I use the block tool because I'm not even going to just mute people. Like if people are going to try to harass me and send trolls and bots my way, I just block them no matter like how many followers or how famous they are. I'm, I don't have a ton of time to debate people who are just interested. You know, they're basically famous gun extremists, right? Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't have any interest in, in having a discussion. And I think you just have to go into it knowing that there are going to be days you make mistakes. There are going to be days that you are 
feeling overwhelmed by sort of the the hate or the ill will. And you just have to power on because it's social media, it's all temporary. And the most important thing about it is the ability to bypass, you know, the filters in this mm. world of, of media. And a lot of reporters are men. Um, I can tell you that most of the podcasts I have done are run by women, not all of them, but most of them. Um, and the reason is because, you know, men aren't always interested in what middle-aged women are doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so social media lets me totally bypass their disinterest and, and talk directly to the people that, that we're trying to organize. I love it. So when you think back to sitting at your kitchen table and you're folding laundry and you're seeing this moment, what would you go back and say to that Shannon? I'm sure you couldn't have oh seen the gosh. journey that would have gotten you here. What would you say to her? It depends on the day. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, I I would say, you know, you will end up keeping your promise to sort of yourself in the universe, which is that you will stick with it as long as you possibly can until you feel like it's time you can carry it, you can pass on the torch. And look, I feel that way already. You know, if, if God forbid I was to get hit by a bus tomorrow, I still think this organization would live on. And that's really the goal of organizing is to work yourself out of a job because if this organization was about me, it wouldn't be much of an organization. Um, it has to be about gun violence survivors and about emboldened women and moms and, and supportive men. And that is how this will last into perpetuity. And it has to, because even with Mothers Against Drunk Driving, they still have to show up at their state houses and fight back the alcohol lobby and fight back lawmakers who want to ease restrictions on drunk driving. And we will always have to do those things too. This is, as I always say, a marathon, not a sprint. When you get involved in gun violence prevention activism, you have to know that you are in it for the long haul. What keeps you so grounded? I mean, that is a very grounded answer to that mm -hmm. set of questions. <laughs> First of all, I feel honored and lucky to wake up and do this work as a volunteer every single day. I know that even on my toughest days, even when there are horrible tragedies, even when I'm you know, at the bottom of the barrel because of social media, whatever the, the thing may be happening, um, I still know that I'm incredibly lucky to do this work. and. I also feel like we're saving lives. And and sometimes you can't tell how many lives you've saved. When you pass a domestic gun violence bill, yeah. you'll never know the moms who are still with their families because the guns were removed from a domestic mm -hmm. abuser. Um, but but I think that is also incredibly motivating. And the fact that we're winning, you know? I mean, when you look at our track record of passing good bills and stopping bad bills, it's pretty astounding that we've been able to do so much in such a short amount of time. And on top of that, I have, you know, an amazing husband and uh, I'm very lucky to have five healthy kids. So I don't have much to complain about. Yeah, I think five kids would keep you pretty grounded. My three sure keep me grounded. Uh, they're all gone now except one. Oh, um, wow. The, yeah. So our only boy and uh, he's a junior in high school. Wow. Any advice for raising in teenagers and getting them out the door? Well, I will just tell you that the day they decide they're going to close their bedroom door when they go to bed is the day it all changes. Okay, that's good. That's good, <laughs> Shannon. I like good black and white things to look for. That is very You're in helpful. Big trouble. Okay, yeah. so you need to start paying extra close attention when they start exactly. closing their bedroom door. I got that. That's good. That's very helpful. Well, thank you so much, Shannon. I think this has been thank wonderful, you. and I know and our listeners you. are going to love it. No, and thank you all for supporting our organization. It's incredibly important, especially right now, and. We are so grateful for you sending volunteers our way and letting us talk about our platform. Absolutely. We're so grateful for you, like I said, at the top of the show. Thank you so much.
Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Pantsy Politics. Thank you to Shannon Watts, to everyone who's volunteering with Moms Demand Action, for all of you for your continued engagement on this important topic. We'll be back with you on Tuesday for another full episode of Pantsy Politics. Until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. To support Pantsuit Politics, please visit patreon.com forward slash pantsuitpolitics or rate and review the podcast in the Apple Podcast Player. Thank you to our executive producers, Nicholas, Chad, Tracy, George, and Sabrina. You can find us on Twitter at Pantsuit Politics or Facebook and Instagram at Pantsuit Politics. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. You can also hear his work and get more nuance by checking out our podcast on family, relationships, and values, The Nuanced Life.